Well, I, I feel like uh, Brother Brooks was talking this morning, the insufficiency of these things and not, um, my wife says they always put a target on us when they do that kind of stuff. First Chronicles 28, we are thankful to be here and do bring you greetings from Citrus Missionary Baptist Church in Inverness. I'm just beginning to teach my children. My children are young, and the Lord's given me a little bit more life. And their work is not done, and neither is mine. First Chronicles 28, and I'm going to jump down into verse 9. But if you will, in your time, read 28 through the rest of the book, because it is the last words of David. But in the midst of what David is saying, we find the subject matter that we were assigned, and that is teaching our children. First Chronicles 28 and verse 9, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary Be strong and do it. In verse 20, And David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. We'll look at, as we said, teaching our children. Now before us, we have the last words of King David. They are the last words of a shepherd king to guide a nation and to guide his son. These words are mingled with instruction and challenge. And these words conclude with a prayer of praise to the Lord who gives us grace to do what He calls us to do. Before us, we have the words of a humble man. A man who knows his deficiencies and his limitations. And we cannot be good fathers. We cannot be patriarchs like David was. And oh, how we need patriarchs in our day. A patriarch is where you have men leading things. And we need that in our day. That's the biblical way. 
God that would, this, this has been very convicting to me as I studied through this again. And over again, enrolling these things, I have children that are graduating this year, and, and these things are very pressing upon me. But we need to know our deficiencies and our limitations as men. And David was a sinner saved by grace, and David knew that, and I don't have time to develop that. But if you study the Word of God, you'll find that. Even in this text, in that prayer, David admits this. He, he says, basically, well, who am I to do such great things, gathering all the materials for the tabernacle? But that is no excuse. Our deficiencies are no excuse for neglecting the responsibility that God has emplaced upon us in relationship to our children. And I want you to think about this, fathers. We have a lot of fathers in here today, and this message is especially to you, fathers, because you are the primary, the Lord lays on you the primary responsibility of raising and teaching your children. And it's no excuse for us to neglect our responsibilities to our children because we live in a broken world. As a matter of fact, think about this. Every promise and every direction and every instruction for child rearing is given to broken parents in a broken world. They're all post-Genesis 3. Every command to love your wife and to raise your children are given to men who have deficiencies. So it is no excuse. You cannot say, well, I'm a sinner and I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it right. Well, that's why God has given us instruction. And you've been blessed as a child of God to have the Holy Spirit living in you, to lead you and guide you. And you also have the Word of God to guide you. So we have no excuses. We make them, but we have none to offer. David knew the sovereignty of God, and he also knew the source of his abilities that's found in this book in chapter 29 and verse 10. David says, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. You see, David looked to his father. He looked beyond Jesse to the God of heaven, and you must do the same. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. That's where it's going to be found. That's going to be, there's where you're going to find your source of strength. That's where you're going to find your victory. Your majesty is going to be found in His majesty and His victory. And for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. And then he says in verse 14, but who am I? Who am I? That is a question for us, isn't it, this morning? Who am I and what is my people? Who am I? Before us, we have wise counsel from a godly father. David, the shepherd, the lion killer, the bear slayer. The giant slayer, the warrior, the king was a father. You say, I got a lot of responsibilities. You think David didn't have responsibilities? I dare say, beloved, there's not a man in this building that has more responsibilities than the man in this text. 
None of you rule a whole nation. I know you might want to, or you might think you could do a better job, but none of you rule a whole nation, do you? You don't have thousands under you and ten thousands at your call. David did. But David took time to teach his son. He proved his love by teaching his children. And particularly Solomon. The book of Proverbs, Proverbs, we'll go there in Proverbs 4, and we'll come back here. But notice, beloved, that the Proverbs primarily, but not exclusively, primarily is a letter, a proverb, full of Proverbs, from a father to a son. Matter of fact, it's two fathers to two sons. Because the first part of Proverbs, when you get to chapter 4, is what David told Solomon. And that runs all the way till you get to chapter 10. So what you have is, this is what my daddy taught me. And he says that to his son. Matter of fact, the only recorded son that we have of Solomon is Rehoboam. My son. I got to thinking about that. David had all those wives and all that harem, but he had one son. What the text says. And I would find you to find me something different, but that's what the Bible says. He had many lovers, but he had one son. And he instructs that son, this is what I want for you. So it's primarily, primarily a father's instruction to his son. And to his children, it says children, speaks about them in other ways. But nevertheless, I digress. Digress. Verse Proverbs 4. Take it like it says now. It says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. Now that's Solomon speaking. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son. Tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. And he taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither declined from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get it, get understanding. Notice very carefully, beloved, that he taught him. He taught him as a child. And he taught him repeatedly. And he taught him some more. If you go down into the text, it says, verse 10, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. So here David says, he's talking to Solomon. Solomon says, my daddy taught me, and here's what my daddy taught me, and then my daddy taught me some more. He taught him. How did he teach him? Well, the text says, by words, by commandments, by instruction. He took time, and I find this is a great deficiency in the speaker this morning. He took time to say, this is the way it's got to be done. This is the way to do it, son. 
Here's the commandment, and this is what the commandment means. Because in the text, the commandments, my commandments, are the Lord's commandments. He has inspired instruction and inspired words and inspired commandments for His children. This is what the Lord has to say about this matter. So He took time to say, this is what what the Lord wants you to do with your life. But not only that, but He also taught him by example. For verse 11 says, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee. I have led thee in the right paths. Later on, Solomon will say the same thing to his son, basically, where he says, Give me thine heart and observe my ways. Now, whether you know it or not, fathers, your children are observing your ways. They observe how you talk to your wife and they observe how you talk to your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. They observe your ways. They observe your business dealings. They observe your church attendance. They observe your prayer life. They observe you better than anybody else in this building can observe you. And you're to capture their heart so that they'll love you. you got little daughters. They should love you. And you should have their heart so that you can give their heart to somebody else instead of them giving it over to them. Hearken, children. That is the repeated command in Proverbs. It is my son and children. Over and over again is the repeated phrase. See that as you study Proverbs. He taught him by example. And our duty to our children transcends their formidable years. And I, we come back to the text now. Now David is at the end of his life. And I understand that Solomon's not very old, though I cannot find out how old he is. You know, I was reading, I was reading and it says, so-and-so was such-and-such years old when he became king. It doesn't say that about Solomon. I don't know how old Solomon was. I tried to figure it out. I can't figure it out. But it really doesn't matter. We know that Solomon was a child of David's old age. We know that. And we also know, as you kind of look at things, David Solomon would have been somewhere between 10 and 20, somewhere along of that age when he takes the throne. Very young man. Matter of fact, we find in the text that he says, he tells the people, this king's young, he's going to need some help. So he says, I'm dying, guys. I'm out of here, but you're going to have to take on responsibility. You men, you men who have been with me and know the Lord God, you're going to have to take on responsibility to help raise up this king. To and, and, and But the great import is to raise up the God of the king. You know, as I, I studied this text, I, it really stood, stood out to me that there is nothing in here about how, God, how David wanted Solomon to be successful. You don't find that. I would challenge you to see that. He didn't want him to be successful in business so much or be, be very rich or wealthy. That's the, that's the outcome of him serving the Lord. He wanted God exalted. In the text, he wanted God exalted and God's house exalted. And you know, even so much so that Solomon got it. Because whenever Solomon went to pray later on, you'll find this, and he goes to pray to God. You know what he asked for? 
He doesn't ask for a new car. He doesn't ask for, you know, ten camels. And he doesn't ask for, he doesn't ask for anything, you know, that they had in those days. He didn't ask for new garments. He didn't ask for more gold or silver. He didn't ask for any of that. You know what he asked for? He asked for wisdom. Matter of fact, he asked for what his daddy had taught him. He asked for what his daddy taught him. When we look at our children, we say, why in the world is he doing that? I would, I would put an investment in a mirror if I were you. And you probably got one in your house. You know how much we love ourselves. You probably got 10 of them in your house. And uh, maybe 20 of them. I don't know how many you have. So you can always look at yourself, you know, make sure you're all looking good. Well, anyway, you go to the mirror and when you say, I wonder why he's doing that. I wonder why she's doing that. I wonder why he's talking that way. I wonder why she's talking that way. I wonder why they're acting like that. I wonder why they're going there. I wonder why they're thinking like that. You probably don't have too far to go. I know I don't. But David had taught Solomon in his formidable years, but that was in all. He pursues him now on into manhood. And if David had lived to see more years, I'm sure in the heart of David he would have pursued him more. Some of your children graduated this week. You're not finished. You're just getting started. You got children in college. You're not finished. Some of them are starting to make their families. They're starting to have babies. You're not finished. You're not finished until you're on your deathbed. David was on his deathbed. He had gotten off the deathbed from being cold and needing some heat. And he goes and he gathers all Israel up for some last words, public words. And he says, this, guys, is what is supreme. He tells them about how God was with them and how God would be with them. He gives them instruction on keeping the kingdom together. And then he gives him gives his son some instruction. May God live, excuse me, may your godly instruction live in your children's memory. May be it branded on their hearts and lived out in their lives. This was the desire of David. Whenever I had cancer a few years ago, I'm glad I can say had, I gathered my wife and children around the bed in the hospital. I told them some things, and we got back home, and we were waiting on diagnosis. Got around the recliner, and I told the children especially, I said, if Daddy dies, because I didn't know, I knew I was going to die sometime, but it really was really close right then. I said, um, if Daddy dies, don't be bitter with God. I thought that was very important. Because I want them to love God 
more than Daddy. I want them to love Him more than they love me. And I want them to love Him more than I ever loved Him. And that's what you should want for your children. This is the essence of this text. Here is a man who had given his all as much as men do for the God of heaven. Who was a man after, who pursued after. Now there's two ways to look at that. He pursued after the heart of God. He loved, you talk about, the Bible talks about his heart being twined with Jonathan's heart. I'll tell you what, David's heart was entwined with the God of heaven. He loved the God of heaven. Matter of fact, when his brothers were sitting down there cowering, his older brothers were cowering, there was a giant out in the field. He says, is there not a cause? As a young man, he had a cause for his life. And you know what that cause was? It wasn't success in this world. It was success for the God of heaven. You fell in that area. You failed as a father. In our text, we have four things that are mentioned. They were to teach our children. It says, and thou, Solomon, my son, first one, know thou the God of thy father. Secondly, serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. Verse 10, the third thing, take heed now. And the fourth thing, be strong and do it. First of all, beloved, we must teach our children to have a relationship with the Lord. They will not naturally have it, nor will they naturally develop it. It won't just happen. You know that there's a supernatural aspect where God, the Holy Ghost, must come in and He must change them and give them a new heart. You know that. You're steeped in that. But there's responsibility for them to know Him. And David did not think it expedient for Solomon to choose his own God or his own way or his own path. That's the philosophy of the world and that will lead them to death and hell. Is that what you want for your children? Do you want your children to go off into hell? Is that what you want for them? Well, he can make his own decisions. He can choose his own path. Is that what you want? Because they will choose the wrong path. And here David, who had taught Solomon this before, now reiterates it on his deathbed. And he says, No, 
Know thou the God of thy father. Know him. Have a, have and develop and nourish a relationship with the God of promise. Later on, he'll speak about God in the terms of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And what he's saying is, this is the true God, but more than that, he's the God of promise. He's a God that does make promises and keeps those promises. Know Him. See, knowing God is the principal thing. Proverbs, if you will, we'll go back there again in Proverbs 9. It is the principal thing. You must know Him. You must know, have a relationship with Him. Say, education is the principal thing. No. Money is the principal thing. No. 401k is the principal thing. No. Being, you know, being recognized by the world and have a whole bunch of rewards, that is, that's the principal thing. No. All those things have their place, but they are not the principal thing. The principal thing is to know God. And I tell you what, the Bible is full of truths like this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and guess what happens? You can, those other things will take care of themselves. They really will. Because He's promised it. Proverbs 9 and verse 10. And we're coming to the end in Proverbs 9 of the words of David to Solomon, by the way, again. And Proverbs 9 and verse 7 says, given, uh, 9 and 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Now he said, know Him. To know Him is to fear Him. To know Him is to know who He is. To know Him is to know His attributes. To know Him is that, as David said, even in the text, he says, this God that we're dealing with, He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows the imaginations of your heart. Know Him. He knows what you're really about, boy. Know Him. You know, you have two books written by this wise man, Solomon that are a reflection of a wise man, David, the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes. And if I could sum them up, I'd sum them up like this. Proverbs is the way of wisdom, which is really the way of knowing God and what God has to say about every matter. If God doesn't say it, it really doesn't matter. But if He does, it matters. It really does. You know, boys, you boys will be looking for girls. You will be. Did you know that if you're a daddy, you know you can tell your boys, hey boys, these are the girls to look out for. Matter of fact, in that passage over there in Proverbs where he says, give me thine heart, in the context he says, hey, look out for this kind of girl. You know those easy ones? Y'all know what I'm talking about. The ones that are trying to get you? Well, I was trying to get them. You have that conversation with your boys? David did. He also talks about finance. Right in that text. 
All kinds of things that he took time to say, this is the way to do it in the fear of the Lord. David knew the Lord for, from a personal relationship. Anyway, Proverbs is wisdom for living. And Ecclesiastes, well, it's like this. Here's the wisest man in the world who had everything. And he built, he built big palaces and he equipped them all. And he says, I did all of that. You know what I found out about all the stuff? It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. Without Christ, it is. You know what the end is? Fear God and keep His commandments. Know Him. And David had a personal relationship with the God of heaven. And that personal relationship translated into his son having a relationship with him. And David's desire for Solomon would that he would know God, know Him. And so he even prayed about it over there in 29. What are you praying about for your children? You know, knowing God is the essence of eternal life. John 17, 3. This is life eternal, that they might know Thee. Secondly, we must teach our children how to rightly serve the Lord, for it says, serve Him. He told him how. Two things. With a perfect heart and a willing mind. Don't divide your heart up for things and people and ambition. You serve the Lord with a perfect heart. You can jot this down, but over in the book of Second uh, Chronicles 25, it is possible to serve God right and wrong at the same time. And what I mean by that is this. It says there that Amaziah served the Lord right. But he didn't have a perfect heart. In other words, it wasn't whole. It was divided. We do that oftentimes in worship. The first quality of successful service is surrender. A whole heart. For the Lord, and then a willing mind. You know, God desires, beloved, for us to do things for Him. And I'm convinced of this that He wants us to do it because we want to, not because we have to. I had a little boy at church. I have to close. I can't get finished with this. But I'm going to close with this. I had a little boy at church. And we were here, they were at the house the other day, and so Sarah asked him, said, you know, why do you come to church? He says, because I have to. <laughs> He's three years old. Why do you come? Why do you pray? Why do you read your Bible? Why do you live before others in a certain way? 
Is it because you have to? Or because you want to? You know, there's... You teenagers, you young people, you listen up now. I'm going to close with this. The Bible says to buy the truth and sell it not. Do you know that? You should know it. Y'all been around here long enough. Y'all to know that one. Buy the truth and sell it not. Now, your mom and daddy, they've been raising you. I told my kids this. They've been raising you all, all, all along. And a lot of what, what's going on in your life, you may be deciding whether you're going to buy or just rent. When you rent, you can trash the place. When you rent, you don't take ownership. When you rent, it's not yours. It's somebody else's that you're using. You young people, are you just using it? Are you just renting? Or are you buying it? I pray that my children will buy the truth. There'll come a time when Daddy's truth and Daddy's God and Daddy's faith will have to be theirs. I pray it is now and I pray it will always be, even more so.